The following sermon is from Grace Church East County. More information about Grace Church is available at gracechurcheast.org. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we are finishing a series, selected passages in this letter we've been calling Refocus. We have been refocusing, as it were, what it looks like to be a gospel-centered or Christ-centered community. So we have refocused our gospel centrality, our unity, our power and weakness, our holiness, our sexuality, our sacraments, our spiritual gifts, and our love, all in light of the good news, the matter of first importance, as we saw last week. This letter of 1 Corinthians has really been like a tutor for us, I hope, tutoring us in what it looks like and means to apply the good news in all sorts of arenas of life. And today we want to refocus our future, to refocus our future. Lindsay's going to pray and read our passage beginning in verse 50. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to be together today and to hear your word read and then preached from. I ask that you would come and give us eyes to see Jesus better, that you would come and give us ears to hear you clearly, that you would um, help Tab to preach faithfully from this passage, and just that you would fill our hearts with, uh, with the hope that is in this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 58. I tell you this, brothers, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Lindsay. It is, I believe, an urban legend. The commencement speech that Winston Churchill gave when he stood up and said, never give up, never give up, never give up. And then he sat down. What actually happened, what actually he said in 1941 to the Harrow School included the following. Never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never give in in nothing great or small except to convictions of honor and good sense. And then he went on and said, this is 1941. We stood all alone a year ago. We now find ourselves in a position where we only have to persevere to conquer. Now, I like the urban legend version. Never give up, never give up, and then you just sit down. Mic drop. But the longer version is apropos for us as well. We only have to persevere, keep going, to conquer. 
My question is how? How will you do that? How? How will you do what Churchill apparently did not say and never give up? How will you do that? How will you persevere, keep going, and so to conquer? Maybe a better question is, where do you feel weary right now? Where are you discouraged? Where do you feel like giving up? Maybe discouraged as a single adult, or in your marriage, or your parenting, or as a kid, child, teenager here. Maybe you're weary in the workplace, whether you work in the home, or outside the home, or as a student. Maybe you're weary in enduring a trial, or battling a temptation. Or maybe, maybe you feel a little discouraged about your participation in the local church. How will you never give up for that area? How will you persevere and so conquer for that arena in your life? Well, this passage shows us. Here we find a future reality meant to transform how we think and live right now. I would sum it up like this. Our future resurrected glory is to be our present motivating power. I like that so much, I'm going to say it again. Our future resurrected glory in Christ is to be our present motivating power. I want to take that statement and break it into two halves and see both halves of that sentence in this passage. So the first half, first, our future resurrected glory. First, our future resurrected glory. This chapter, this entire massive chapter, is really all about the danger of wrong assumptions. Wrong assumptions about the future. For instance, in the 1940s, the president of IBM predicted, I think there's a world market for maybe five computers. Wrong assumption. In the 1950s, the president of the 20th Century Studios told stockholders, quote, television. Television won't be able to hold on to any marketed captures after the first six months. People will soon get tired of staring at a box every night. Wrong assumption about the future. This entire chapter is about not making a wrong assumption about your future. You see, the Corinthians were denying a future bodily resurrection of believers in Jesus. And so the Apostle Paul has been arguing, look, Christ has died for our sins and Christ is raised bodily, physically. We have multiple eyewitnesses, as we saw last week. He is risen, and so believer in Jesus, he's saying, you too will be raised physically, bodily, from the grave. And now we pick up his conclusion. We pick up the crescendo of his argument in verse 50. Look at verse 50, please. He says, I tell you this, brothers, or better, brethren, brothers and sisters, I tell you this, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable 
inherit the imperishable. Now, flesh and blood here mean this body, your body as you have it right now. This perishable body cannot inherit the kingdom of God, it says. In this present perishing body, we cannot enter the immediate splendor and unshielded majesty of God himself. That would be like trying to do a spacewalk in your t-shirt and shorts. It'd be like trying to swim to the bottom of the ocean in just your bathing suit. You won't last longer in either place or not very long in either place. And so the apostle says in verse 51, behold, God has a solution. (laughs) Behold, I tell you a mystery. Something has been revealed. I tell you a mystery. Something's been revealed. We shall not all sleep. A beautiful way of saying we shall not all die. We shall not all sleep, but here's his point. We shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, as fast as you could blink your eye at the last trumpet when Christ returns. For, he says, the trumpet will sound, Christ returns, and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. For this perishable body must, must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. You catch his point. He's saying when Christ returns, the dead in Christ are raised and changed physically, transformed physically. And he's saying those who are alive when Christ returns, those living on the earth when Christ returns, they are changed too physically. In a moment, in an instant, as fast as you can blink your eye, complete transformation. You receive a glorified physical body. As fast as you can blink, in an instant, the perishable puts on the imperishable. The mortal, clothed in immortality. You see, when the Christian dies now, you immediately go to be with Jesus spiritually, you might say. Philippians chapter 1. My desire is to depart, to die, and be with Christ, for that is far better. The Christian dies, and you are immediately with the Lord spiritually. But you don't yet have a glorified physical body. But when Christ returns, when he returns, then this passage says, the perishable puts on the imperishable in the blink of an eye. Disease never again touches your body. No pains ever again. No arthritis in your hands. No sickness. No COVID viruses. No cancer cells and no sin. You are utterly and completely changed. You have a physical glorified body believer when Christ returns. And so he tells us next, our relationship with physical death will thus be transformed. Verse 54. Verse 54. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, when that happens, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, 
where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, the law which reveals our sin. He takes here two Old Testament passages and adapts them for a divine taunt against death. I love this. God is taunting death. Death, take that. <laughs> death, you are doomed. Death, you're going to be consumed by the victory of Jesus Christ on that day when he returns. Friends, don't we need this victory cry? Don't you need this victory cry? Death now is so painful. When a loved one dies, you experience the finality of that, at least in this life. When my uncle died recently, that was the hardest part for me. The realization, I, I can't pick up the phone and call him. I can't text him. I can't tell him how much he meant to me. And not only that, you and I, unless Christ returns first, we will die. We face this reality. But God is saying death is a defeated foe. Death has no sting for the Christian. Now for the Christian, death is not a doorway to judgment, but a doorway to life. And so the apostle responds as we should respond, friends, as we should respond with a doxology, a, a word of praise in verse 57. But thanks be to God. Here's our response. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I said that this is about the, our future, future resurrected glory, and, and that's true, but, but not entirely. Because that word gives in that verse, he gives us the victory through Jesus. It's in the sense of right now, God giving us that victory. It's saying he is presently giving you that victory. That right now you are receiving something of the victory of Jesus. Now we are new creations in Christ. If you're a Christian, if you've trusted Jesus savingly, you've been born again, you're a new creation, you've tasted the appetizer of the victory to come in fullness. So fullness of victory is not yet our experience. There is real struggle now. There is real weakness now, at times real failure now. That's the normal Christian life. It's a wrong assumption to expect only victory now, but it's also wrong to think there is no victory now at all. You are now experiencing new life in the risen Christ transformation through the risen Christ. You are now tasting something of his victory. So let us give thanks now. Let us worship God now. Let us do verse 57 and praise him, thank him through the crucified, risen, and returning Jesus Christ. But let me add one more right response to what we've seen already. Let me add one more. In a very similar passage, 
1 Thessalonians 4. You might want to read it later today. A very, very similar passage. The apostle adds, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So interesting. Therefore, minister encouragement to each other about these truths. Now, we must take care how we do that and when we do that, not denying the grievous reality of death, but there is a place to minister to and encourage each other with this future resurrected hope and promise. When I am with Debbie Sperry, I always experience this. Debbie has stage four cancer. She's a member here. She's not here on Sundays because her immune system is compromised by the chemotherapy she's enduring. So when I go to visit her, I inevitably experience her encouragement this way. How, how there is more to life than just this life. She never fails to remind me of heavenly future reality to come. I, I, I leave their home every time feeling lighter in my soul. My problems seem smaller because Debbie encourages me with these realities. Friends, minister to each other. Future, resurrected, hope. We give thanks. We worship. We encourage each other. But, but what does all that have to do with never give up? Never give up. Never give up. I mean, certainly mutual encouragement helps. But what does all that have to do with persevere, keep going, and so conquer? Answer, it has everything to do with that. Recall our sentence, our future resurrected glory is our present motivating power. Let's see the second half now. Our present motivating power. You see, God gives us the punchline here. God now strongly exhorts us here. In fact, God commands us in verse 58. Would you please look at verse 58 in your Bible, on your Bible app? Verse 58, therefore... So in light of all that's gone before, therefore, my beloved brethren, brothers and sisters, be steadfast and immovable. That's a command. That's an imperative to people who were having a wrong assumption about the future, people who are denying a future bodily resurrection of believers in Jesus. Now God commands them, be steadfast in the gospel. Be immovable, unable to be moved from this good news and all the benefits that God, that Christ has purchased for you. And so Grace Church, let us hear this command and heed it. Be steadfast in the good news. Be steadfast as a gospel-centered, Christ-centered community. Be immovable, friends unmoved from this good news now and forever. And then God commands us next, be 
always abounding. You see that? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, what is that? What is the work of the Lord in which we are to always abound? Well, broadly speaking, it's anything you do as a Christian. From resisting sin to enduring suffering to your callings, your vocations in your Christian life as a single adult or a husband or a wife or a father or a mother or a child or a teenager following Jesus to your vocation, your work outside the home or in the home or as a student. For all of those areas, you are to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. But more narrowly speaking, more narrowly speaking, the work of the Lord involves all forms of gospel ministry. The apostle speaks of his labor in the Lord in chapters 3 and 9 in this vein. So what we do in gospel ministry, as we proclaim the good news, as we minister the good news to each other, that's involved here as well. That's also part of the work of the Lord we're doing, even right here in the local church. Work in which we are to be, quote, always abounding. Knowing something in verse 58. Knowing something. Do you see it? Knowing that in the Lord... Your labor is not in vain. I'd like you to take those three words home with you today. Not in vain. I'd like you to tuck those away in your heart. Not in vain. Those are important words in this chapter. It's a bit of a theme here. In verse 2, the apostle says, Hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you believed In vain. Verse 10 says, By the grace of God I am what I am. His grace toward me was not in vain. Verse 14 says, If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. Now in verse 58, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. In other words, the resurrection has brought about an amazing transformation of reality for us. I mean, this really is the counterpoint to our series in the book of Ecclesiastes. Remember the refrain in Ecclesiastes? Vanity. All is vanity. All is a vapor, meaning, purpose, significance, a mist under the sun, in the here and now only. And the resurrection of Jesus and your future resurrection in Jesus turns that on its head. And now you hear, not in vain. Not in vain. Now, nothing you do in this life is in vain. Nothing of it meaningless. Nothing that lacks significance in the Lord because Christ is raised and you too will be raised in Christ Meaning, purpose, significance are injected into every nook and cranny of your existence. And one reason why, one reason why is tucked away earlier in this letter. 
1 Corinthians 4, verse 5 says, When Christ returns, quote, then each one will receive his commendation from God. When Christ returns, each one will receive his reward. You heard that correctly. Believer, when Christ returns, you will receive your commendation from God. Are you seeing how a future day means to empower us for today? I mean, you, you experience this when you are planning a vacation. For years, we have gone beach camping north of Santa Barbara. I'm not a huge camper, but I love this spot. It is a beautiful spot. I love being there. You feel away from everything, but you're still close to a Costco. It's ideal. You're right there at the beach. Hear the uh, waves at night. It's gorgeous. But getting ready to go camping is labor. It is effort. It is work. When I am loading the van, trying to fit all the stuff, it's just a perfect puzzle so that the van is packed to the very rafters and the car top carriers filled with all of our stuff and all the bikes I'm trying to strap onto the back of the van. It is hard. I abound in that labor of camping knowing my labor is not in vain. A reward is coming. My feet will be in the sand in Santa Barbara. I abound in that labor because I know it's not going to be in vain. You experience this when you're anticipating a, a raise or a promotion or maybe anticipating retirement. Even if the job is a grind, you keep going. You abound in that labor knowing it won't be in vain. A reward is coming. When you're in school, kids, you're always looking forward to the next step, right? When you're in elementary school, you look in the middle school, middle school, high school, high school, college, or entering the workforce. You're always looking forward to that next step as if that next step is the reward for you. And so you abound in your labor as a student. Why? Knowing it's not in vain. That reward is coming. Same if you're planning a wedding or expecting a baby or starting a new job or whatever the next big day is on your calendar, you abound in those labors. You do them. You keep going in them. You don't give up. You don't give up. You know it's not in vain. The reward is coming. God is saying that's how you live the Christian life. That's how you're to live tomorrow. A future resurrected glory and all that entails as your present motivating power. So let's make some application. For the labor of enduring suffering, and that's labor. Labor in the Lord of enduring sickness with faith toward God, enduring disease, enduring family hardship, enduring the grief of a loved one. Your labor of endurance as a Christian will not be in vain. Don't give up. He will commend you. For the labor of battling temptation, 
That is labor in the Lord, battling temptation, maybe, maybe an eating disorder, maybe illicit sexual temptation, temptations to the opposite sex, a kind of opposite sex attraction to someone who's not your spouse, or maybe a, a same-sex attraction, whatever it is, battling some illicit sexual temptation, that's labor. Maybe battling pornography or maybe battling a pattern of sinful anger. For all those challenging areas and, and countless others, God's grace is available and your labor there will not be in vain. Keep going. Don't give up. For our, our vocations, our callings as a Christian maybe as a teenager, a young person. Listen, your labor, your labor as you pursue ultimate pleasure in Jesus, not temporal pleasures of this world, that labor is what? Not in vain. Your labor as a single adult, pursuing countercultural holiness, living a distinctive life for Jesus is what? Thank you. Not in vain. In your marriage, your labor of working through conflicts, resolving your differences, and applying the grace and mercy of Jesus is what? It's not in vain. In your parenting, your labor of changing diapers, training children, discipling teens, all of that is what? Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. For your labor in the home, outside the home, or as a student, you desire that work to be meaningful, don't you? It is meaningful. Labor in the Lord is meaningful. He will commend you. It's not in vain. Don't give up. For your labor in gospel ministry, for our labor in gospel ministry, for our labor in Grace Church in gospel ministry, Engaging with neighbors, co-workers, friends who don't yet know Christ, reaching out as an ambassador of Jesus to them, not in vain, regardless of the response. Your labor serving here on the setup team, on the sound team, in children's ministry, ministries where no one is applauding you, not in vain. Don't give up. Your labor is to minister good news to those in your home group or your Bible study, going there to care for others more than asking, how are they caring for me? Going there to encourage others, going there to minister and care and serve, not in vain. Don't give up. Listen, I realize, and part of this series has been because we realize the past few years have been challenging for many churches. A global pandemic. Deep political divisions in the culture. For us here, very high cost of living in San Diego. The temptation has, can be, the temptation can be to think, I wonder if some of our gospel labors have been in vain. Are you thinking that? It's easy to think that way. God says, no, 
not so. No. He says in the words of verse 58, Grace Church, be steadfast in the good news. Immovable from the gospel of Jesus. Always abounding in the work of the Lord right here, knowing, knowing that in the Lord, our labor in this church is not in vain. Take that area where you feel weary. Take that area where you're discouraged and look ahead. Maybe memorize verse 58. Meditate on it this week. Tattoo it on your soul. This is what will enable you to never give up. This is what will enable you to persevere and so conquer our future resurrected glory in Jesus as our present motivating power. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let's pray. And if you would take a moment to just respond to the Spirit of God. Could be that you turn to Christ if you've yet to do so. Trusting in his life, death, and resurrection that you too may have this sure hope for your life. Turn to him even now. Surrender to him. That he might wash your sins away. Or it might be where you feel discouraged, where you feel weary, where you want to give up. Acknowledge that to the Lord and let him minister to you right now. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you. We want to apply immediately verse 57. Thanks be to God who gives us, is giving us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We say thank you. We worship you. Help us to live in the good of this sure, certain, glorious future purchased by our Savior. We ask you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church East County. Please find us online at gracechurcheast.org if you would like to find out more about us.